morning is the importance of us examining our spiritual life, examining our life, examining where we're at in the Lord. Hopefully we are in the Lord. And what, what is our goal for this coming year spiritually? A lot of us just kind of go from day to day to day. You wake up, you go to work, you know the whole routine, day after day after day. And suddenly you look in the mirror and you say, wait a minute, I've gotten older. What's going on here? But that's okay. That's going to happen. But what isn't okay is if we're not growing spiritually. If we're not growing, if we're not growing in the Bible, if we're not growing in our relationship with Christ, if we're not growing in our, the ministry that God has for all of us, and when I say ministry, I'm not speaking about necessarily a ministry of missionary to Africa or something of that nature. I'm speaking of just being someone who's looking out to help other people to minister the grace of God to them, whether it's bringing them some groceries, whether that's whatever it might be, whether it's coming over and praying for them or praying for somebody in the prayer room, or as Robin prayed for somebody and God has used you and blessed you to bring healing. And that's one of the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit that Michelle was referring to earlier, was the gifts of healing that God has. So I want to encourage you this morning, and I'd like to do that by starting in the chapter, Luke chapter 14, verse 7, starting in verse 7, Luke chapter 14, verse 7, how many know where the book of Luke is in your Bible? Okay, some of you do, some of you, we're going to encourage you to learn where the book of Luke is in your Bible. It's in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, it's called the Gospels, which means good news in Greek, the four Gospels, the four books of good news. Verse 7, and he, that is Jesus, began speaking a parable to the invited guest when he noticed how they had been picking out the places of honor at the table, saying to them, when you are invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor, lest someone more distinguished than you may have been invited by him. And he, and he who invited you, both shall come and say to you, give place to this man, and then in disgrace you proceed to occupy the last place. But when you are invited, go and recline, at the, because they, they, they reclined when they ate, was the custom. Go and recline at the last place, so that when the one who has invited you comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you will have honor in the sight of all who are at the table with you. For everyone who exalts himself shall be humbled, and he who humbles himself shall be exalted. You know that is a principle found throughout Scripture. Humbling ourselves. And that's very important in our spiritual walk because if we don't humble ourselves, pride will block us from what God has for us. Verse 12, And he also went on to say to the one who had invited him, When you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or your rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and repayment come to you. But when you receive, when you give a reception, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed, since they do not have the means to repay you. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. As Christian believers, we must never forget that Jesus is coming back. We must never forget that there is a resurrection of the righteous. It's all through Scripture. There is a res resurrection day, and there will be a day of judgment. 
And so when we look at life, we must always keep this in mind, that there is a God in heaven who loves us sincerely, deeply, deeply, deeply loves us, but he is also a just God, and he will be judging the earth. All mankind will be judged. That is a frightening thing to me. I hope it is to you. It helps me to keep my life in line a little better than I would, because I would get a little sloppier had I not realized that God keeps in, God keeps tabs, if you will, on our lives and what we're doing. And some will be honored, and some will lose their reward. In Christians, 1 Corinthians 5.10. And there will be others who don't come to Christ, who reject Christ, who will be condemned. Wow. So this is really important as we look at our life this coming year, is to realize how important it is to live a life that is pleasing to God to the best of our ability. Now, works alone can't do it because no one is worthy. No one can do the works that Jesus did. Only he could do that. But works are important. See, the work is to believe what Jesus has done for us. I believe that Jesus Christ came from God, is God, and he died on the cross in my place went into hell and was raised from the dead, that I too may have that promise. That's the Christian, that's the, Christ, that's the whole premise of Christianity, is it not? And that he will forgive me of my sins and cleanse me and break the power of sin in my life. That's the power of, of this glorious gospel. But if we don't believe that, then we'll live a sloppy life. We'll live a life where there's, as the common, the common meme today, the common thing that's taught today is that there's no right, there's no wrong, there's really no morals, there's no absolutes. Ravi Zacharias, the great Christian apologist, was writing in the Decision magazine, and he wrote that in the 60s we had this ter- terrible rebellious movement that happened. Remember that, some of you? And these hippies, the anti-establishment that just went around basically hating anything that had to do with the establishment or older people. And we had a, a, a lady that was a hippie from Berkeley uh, who's a pastor's wife now. I had a nice conversation with her, with, about her about the hippie movement. She just, we hated it. She was a Berkeley pothead and she said, we just hated anything to do with anybody over 30. We just rebelled against it. We just hated it. And because of that, these same people that were in that age group at that time are now the people that are making many of the decisions in our corporations and in our governments today. Interesting, isn't it? And they have then have, they have flatly refused to believe, many of them, that there are absolute truths. In which case, I would totally disagree because this book is a book of absolute truth. In our heart, we know there is absolute truth. If you press anybody hard enough, they will, they will finally admit, yes, there is absolute truth. If you don't think so, go out and murder someone. You will find out there is absolute truth. There will be justice because there are morals and there are rights. When I say absolute truth, there's no rights and no wrongs, basically. And so this is what goes on in our world today. So our world, we are living in a dark world, but we must be encouraged and have a plan as we move ahead. So let's just keep going here. I'm going to 
pick this up, uh, 15. And when one, of these, when one of those who were reclining at the table with him heard this, he said to him, Blessed is everyone who shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. And he said to him, Jesus that is, a certain man was giving a big dinner, and he invited many. And at the dinner hour he sent his slave to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is ready now. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first one said to him, I bought a piece of land and I need to go out and take a look at it. Was that a legitimate excuse? It seemed like it. Please consider me excused. At least he, at least he responded. The next one. And another one said, I bought five yoke of oxen and I am going to try them out. Please consider me excused as well. And another one said, I have married a wife and for the reason, that reason I cannot come. And the slave came back and reported this to his master. Then the head of the household became angry and said to his slave, Go out at once into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in here the poor and the crippled, the blind and the lame. And the slave said, Master, what you have commanded has been done. And still there is room. And the master said to the slave, Go out into the highways and along the hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of these, those men who were invited shall taste of my dinner." I think there's a very, very important lesson in this parable, don't you? Do you see what the lesson is? There's a number of lessons in there. But one is, what are the excuses that you and I have that keep us from the things that God has for us? What are those excuses? And as a pastor, my, our responsibility is, and the leadership of the church, is to help each person here to come into the relationship with Jesus Christ, number one, to receive that salvation. Two, is to see the, the power of sin broken off of your life, typically through prayer and through helping people come into that place for deliverance. And it's to help people be equipped to grow in the work of service, Ephesians 4, the work of service that God has called us into. Each and every one of us is called. Maybe something that's, that's visible and, so, and some things that are not so visible. But you're making an impact into this world. And we look at the world's conditions today. We look at the, a biblical worldview, which many of you, I'm afraid, don't even have a biblical worldview. But there is a biblical worldview which versus a secular worldview. We've talked about that a number of times during this fall. And for us to be able to define the difference is exceedingly important. As I mentioned, Ravi Zacharias, where he is saying that many people today don't even believe in any absolutes or any morals. How does that affect us in Christ? If we say Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, and they say there is no truth. There is no absolute. How do we deal with that sort of a thing? How do we deal with the media that is continually pouring out, pouring out, pouring out their secular worldview into our lives, into the lives of our children? I said this a week or so ago. I was listening to a man named, uh, oh, just slipped my mind, but I was listening to, uh, remember his name? But he was talking. You don't know who I'm talking about. Who is that? We do that to each other all the time. Do you remember that? I don't know who you're talking about. Uh, uh, but he was talking about, he was a young Jewish fella, and he was talking about, uh, do you remember his name, Cliff? Oh, Cliff's upstairs. Okay. <laughs> yes. But I don't remember 
Okay. So this is our mystery quiz for the today. Well, anyways, we'll move on past that. Uh, but uh, he was saying that that the Hollywood media is so powerful, and he went into such uh, an example of what they are able to do. They're able to start wars, they're able to stop wars, they're able to put people into office, they're able to destroy people's lives that are in office, and so on and so forth. And he said, one of the things they do, and have been doing in America, is destroy the morals and the absolutes, to destroy Christianity in America. And he said, the average teenager spends 40 hours a week watching TV and secular media. 40 hours a week. The average teenager that has a Christian home or a Jewish home, he said, will get about two hours of religious instruction a week. I, I, I don't think that's, I think that's way too high. Our kids right now will probably have 40, 45 minutes of instruction a week. And maybe the little bit that most, if any kids, if the kids get at home from their parents. I think for the most part, it's pretty minimal. I know there's exceptions from some of you. But most kids are getting almost zip or zip religious Christian instruction at home or Jewish or whatever the faith may be. Now, don't you think that's alarming? Why? Why does this happen? Because most of us have excuses. I'm too busy. I'm too tired. I'm too tired to train my children. I'm too tired to read the scripture. I'm too tired, really, to go to Bible study. You know, if you're... I'm going to hit you a little bit hard here. If you're you're in third grade, and you don't have a third grade diploma at the end of the year, you're behind. If you're 18 years old, 19, you don't have a high school diploma, you're behind, aren't you? If you're a Christian for 15 years and you don't have a Christian high high school diploma, I'm talking about in biblical, I'm not talking about actual academics uh, as far as Christian school or something, I'm talking about if you don't have the ability... Uh, of, of knowing the Word, of studying the Word to that 12-year level as a Christian, you're behind. In fact, you're flunking. Do you understand what I'm saying? I'm saying that too many Christians, take your Christi- we take our Christian life for granted. We take our spiritual food for granted. Remember, Jesus said, man does not live on bread alone, but every what? Word that, a few of you know that scripture, proceeds from the mouth of God. And so we as Christian people are to be diligently studying his word. If we are not taking time from our life to diligently study the word, then we are failing. Just as you would if in an academic class. Do you understand what I'm saying? So where did I leave off here? And the master said to the slave, Go out into the highways and along the hedges and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. I am compelling. I am, I am, I am, 
attempting to compel you to come in to the house of the Lord to learn of the Word, to learn of the Scriptures, to learn how to minister. I hesitate to say this. I really do. But the Apostle Paul, and it's been on my heart all week to say this. I don't want to say this, Lord. But I felt like the Lord was saying to me, say it. And I want to say, this isn't a boast. This isn't a boast. The Apostle Paul talked about doing some boasting, remember? If you read him in Corinthians, he said, a little boasting is necessary sometimes. But I know a lot. Michelle and I know a lot of the Scripture. And it's important for us to be able to give as much of that and train you to the best of our ability. I'm not saying I know it all. I'm not saying anything like that. But I know we know a lot. I remember having a conversation with Lois Baker, who was our guest speaker a few months ago. And Lois is saying, you know, I know a lot. I've been in ministry for how many years? 40, 20, 35, 40 years. And it's important that we be able to share and to teach and to instruct and to equip. And I'm speaking this as our New Year's starts, how important it is that we would have this opportunity. As it is, we have 45, 40, 45 minutes be less today. 40, 45 minutes on a Sunday to be able to train and attempt to equip people for the work of ministry. As the world gets darker, you're going to need more instruction. You're going to need more encouragement. The Apostle Paul said, when, we, when I leave, he says, I fear that wolves will come into the flock when he dies. He's saying, I fear that wolves will come, and ravenous wolves will come into the flock, into the churches that we've started, that he has started, and rip those churches apart. How do wolves do that in the Christian setting? They come in and divide. They come in with a little bit of error, and they begin to bring people off into error. And our heart is to bring the, the truth of the Word of God to you. So when I say, I know a lot, I don't know everything, but I know a lot more from, I know a lot from 39 years of study. Do you understand what I'm saying? So this isn't, this isn't to exalt me or to exalt Michelle, but I'm saying to many of you people, don't know your Bibles. You don't have a worldview. You don't have a biblical worldview. You don't know the scarlet thread of redemption that runs through this book. You couldn't defend this book for anything. You just say, well, I know it's true because the Bible says it's true. How do you know? Well, I feel it in my heart. How do you know? Well, it's changed my heart. How do you know? You're giving feelings. You're giving emotions. How do you know? How can you defend it? See, that's what we're at in this day and age. This is a new year coming. The last year was quite a trip, wasn't it? It was quite a ride. And we're off to a new year. So we need to be equipped and prepared and trained for the work of ministry. But we can only do that if we will do what? Read the Word of God. Get into study. Now this is where the pride comes in. I weren't mentioned that word before. Here's what we see happening. I've seen this happen many, 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 many times. We've been, this is going to be 26 years pastoring this church. 26 years. We've seen a lot of stuff. People come to Christ and they get hungry. 
They get exceedingly hungry for God. It's like their honeymoon period. I just have to have God. They, they devour their Bible. They take their Bible. They go to work early and they sit in their vehicle so they can read more of their Bible. They take their Bible on lunch break and they go off and they read their Bible and they're just, oh, I can't get enough of the Word of God. They read and they devour, 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 devour. They come to every Bible study. They come to everything that's available in the community until they get to a point where they, you know, been there, done that. I know the Word of God. Yeah, I know the Bible. I know it. Yeah, there's no sense I have to keep studying it like I was. The passion is gone. And that's dangerous. That's when people start to backslide. They begin to slide away from God. And the first thing they start doing when they slide away from God is they start sliding away from coming together corporately in the church setting. Look around. Now, is this true or not? It happens. It's a dangerous place. Gretchen, I remember your grandmother. Great-grandmother. Grandmother. Great-grandmother. And I remember her saying many, many years ago, and she said, she said, I never wanted to miss Virginia Barnes, was her name, a great lady, Grandma Barnes, we all called her, the great spiritual lady. And she said, I never wanted to miss a Wednesday night or a Sunday night service or a Sunday morning because she said, I watch so many people. They miss this night, then they miss another night, and then a week later they miss and they got miss, 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 until they go back to this world. We're living in a spiritual battle. We can't weaken. If we weaken, we need the strength of other people around us to encourage us and to hold us up. We need you, Michelle and I, we need you. We all need each other. And that is, a, that, is a, a, that is a strength, how God has designed the body of Christ. You know that in the old days, people developed into clans and tribes. Why? For protection. There weren't any sheriffs around. If you read a little history of the, of the, of the Appalachian Mountains, those folks up in the mountain people, they didn't have any sheriffs. If they did, the sheriff couldn't catch anybody. They took justice into their own hands. But large families had more security, more strength. Why? Because nobody messes when you're strong. Large churches have that same strength and development if there is a bond of love and peace that flows through that church. If it's rooted in the Word of God. Do you understand what I'm saying here? So this is a, such an important thing as we look into this. I want you to examine yourself, as the Apostle Paul says. Let a man examine himself to see if he be in the faith or not. Are we in the faith? Are we living for Christ? Jesus wants us full on. He wants our lives. He wants to hear our prayers. He wants to see the hunger in our hearts. And out of this is a sacrifice. And that's a word nobody likes to talk about. Sacrifice. You want me to talk about well, How would you like to hear a message on sacrifice sometimes? Personal sacrifice. Come on Wednesday night and we'll give you a one. Let's see if you'll sacrifice a Wednesday night to our discipleship class and see if you'll come. How's that? It won't be this Wednesday night, but we'll have to announce that. We're going to do a class on sacrifice. 
Well, see how many people of you, how many of you folks will sacrifice your Wednesday night to come. Work that out good. Charlie will be there. Jim will be there. I'll be there. But what is sacrifice? I'm going to hit on that just for a few moments. We're going to close in just a little bit. But what is sacrifice? Sacrifice is living a life where we put God first or others first before ourselves and our own feelings and our own desires, our own times. Sacrifice for me many, and for us many times is a beautiful Sunday, sunny evening in the summertime where we've had a tired, we're tired night and we just say, you know, wouldn't it be nice to just go home and uh, we'll just have our supper and then we'll go down to the beach and do some stuff on the beach tonight and we'll just stay out and enjoy the weather. No, we have a class tonight. We're going to be at that class. But miss that beautiful Sunday night, Sunday night. My reward is past this world. My, my, I'm looking for that reward, not from this life, but in the life to come. On that day of judgment, when the Lord says, you know, I'm really, I'm really pleased with you. You gave up your pleasure to serve my people. You gave up your pleasure, your own desires your own convenience. And we have short summers up here. And I like summer. I like this winter too sometimes. Until about the end of February. Then it's, let's get summer going. But we have to look at that. And the Lord, the Lord will give us those rewards. When you sacrifice your night and say, you know, I'm tired. I had a hard day. I'm going to, I'm going to the discipleship class. I'm going to Woven tonight. I'm coming to church on Sunday morning. It's cold out. It's this, it's that. I'm coming. What is that about? It's a sacrifice. And God is well pleased when we give sacrifice. And God rewards our good works. The Bible promises this, doesn't it? So living, as I talked about last week, some people live in the world of the small soul. As the mystics, old ancient mystics, some people have learned to live in the, the realm of the large soul. Which realm do you want to live in? It's up to you. You make the choice. God has given you a sovereign free will, hasn't he? I can only encourage you to say, hey, come on, folks. It's the New Year's. Let's look at these things. Let's look at life. Let's look at our spiritual life. Let's look at it and do an evaluation of our past spiritual life. Do I want to go? Do I want to keep staying there? Because if you keep on doing what you've always done, you keep on getting what you always got which is a definition of an insanity. <laughs> so God is calling us in this new year. He's calling us into a greater place. He's calling us to be his warriors. And I'm not saying warriors in the sense of violence, but in spiritual warriors. You know, in, in Luke 10, 38 through 42, it speaks about Mary, Jesus, the scriptures, Luke speaks about Mary and Martha. Remember the two story, Mary and Martha, two sisters? And one of them was at Jesus' feet while he was in their home, and he was teaching. And they, they were hungry. She was hungry. And the other one was out in the kitchen, doing things, good things, preparing the dinner, they had to eat. Mary and Martha. Mary and Martha. And Mar one of them said to, the, uh, to Jesus, hey, get after my sister in the, in, uh, that's out there and tell her to come in and help me in the kitchen. And Jesus said, was it Martha? 
Martha, Martha, your sister's choosing the good things. Because she's got me here now. She's choosing the good things. Are you a Mary or are you a Martha? It's your choice. Are spiritual things important to you? Or do you just kind of skip through life as most people do? Most people skip through life on emotions. It's not on any type of plan or or goals. It's just day-to-day emotions. What I feel like today, what I feel like tomorrow. Well, Jesus has got something a whole lot better for us if we'll step into that. Doesn't he? I said he's got something a whole lot better for us if we'll step into that. So as he says in, in, in uh, Timothy, he said that we are to be a workman, needing not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. What does that mean, rightly dividing the word of truth? That means that we discern what is true and what are lies. When we develop a biblical worldview based on Scripture, based on the teachings of Jesus, when the lies of this world come our way, you can say, no, that's a lie. No, that's a lie. That's not only fake news. That's, a, that's, a, that's a, a trying to fake me out into, into following along the ways and the paths of the world. So this New Year's, instead of making a, resu- instead of making a resolution, I'd like you to consider diligently how you can improve your spiritual life how you can grow in Christ. Because all this world's going to fade away. All the prestige, all the important things, everything in this world fades away. There's only one thing that's going to last. Is that right? That's our relationship with Jesus Christ. So that's my message for this day, for this New Year's. Take it or leave it. But that's the message. (laughs) You going to take it? Very good. Yes, Sherry, please come up. Sherry shared something earlier today uh, with us, and I felt that when I spoke would be a good time for